Hello, welcome back to Daisies.Live on Red, White, and Brown, brought to you by Mira and Michael. And today we got a big lineup for you. We got a little bit of shows, a little bit of movies, everything across the board. And we're very excited to bring you everything that's hit from this week. Before we do, Mira, how was your week? A week was busy and it's almost Halloween, by the way. So, hey guys, hope your body body suits are out and you're uh, thinking of parties and you're already having parties, if not. But uh, yeah, some people have exams, some people have deadlines, but a lot of us have parties. But having yeah, said that, having said that, spooky. a huge slew of movies is hitting your screens next week. But this week, we got two big movies. This Diwali week, we got two big movies. And one release from 2017, re-released on Amazon Prime. It is an award-winning movie called Gully Gulia, which is streaming around Prime. The other two big movies that released was Akshay Kumar's Round Day 2. And, of course, Thank God, Siddharth Malhotra and Ajay Devgan's Thank God. And, of course, the third, uh, uh, third section, um, or should I say third season, of The Indian Predator. This time it's Murder in the Courtroom. Definitely better than the other two first seasons that we reviewed for you earlier. But let's get started with Ramsey too. And so I know that you watched this one a little bit, um, Ramsey too. This is this one was honestly a little interesting. It had a little bit of myth and religion going on into it, but it was uh, it was a Michael. Thing. It was it was a copybook movie about taking a seemingly scientific person who is a scientist, who's an archaeologist, and you take him to India. And then by the time the movie's done, the guy believes in really weird myths and that, you know, sorry, but sorry to call it. But by the end of the movie, I was flabbergasted that they actually ended up creating a reason for the guy to disbelieve science. So this movie is about um, literally, you know, th there is a controversy in India about some limestone shoals. There's an entire bridge of limestone shoals that connects Pamban and Munar Islands in the south of India. And there is, there is this entire belief that this was built by Lord Rama and some stuff like that. And it's not a natural phenomenon. Imagine limestone shoals not being a natural phenomenon, but some God coming to, to, to earth to create them. Um, this movie actually lays the ground for you to believe that God created it. And it wasn't a figment of a scientific um, theory. So this movie is, of course, led by Akshay Kumar. There's Nushrat Barucha, there's uh, Satya Dev, there's Jacqueline Fernandez. All of these people in the movie really go through the hooks of disbelief in science. Um, it starts with uh, Akshay Kumar, who's Dr. Aryan Kolsheshra. He's an archaeologist. He believes in evidence-based science. And, of course, his wife is Nushrat, who's a professor of literature. And he's heartbroken by the destruction of the Bamiyan Buddha by the Taliban in Afghanistan and is now a part of the Ram Setu. Ram Setu is Lord Rama's Setu means bridge. Um, so this project, uh, he's been brought on uh, onto this project as an expert. He, he has secular credentials and this is laid out because they give him a Pakistani colleague in the movie. So because he has a Pakistani colleague, it's established that he's quite secular. 
And then there is this entire back and forth with the media where he says, why do we have to bash our neighbors kind of a dialogue? That's what, you know, it's established he's secular, it's established he's, he's apolitical. It's also established that he is quite scientific uh, in his thought process. And then, lo and behold, things happen. And when these things happen, he says, believing in myths. Um, so I think the entire movie was a mission. It's like Akshay Kumar, who's a Canadian citizen and lives in India, has made his, 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 he can't live in India or work unless he does movies like this, uh, where, you know, he's, he's promoting the government's nationalist agenda and Hindutva and, and, and so much so that, you know, you take a political controversy around the Setu Samundran pr project. Um, and, and of course, there's a book by Pushkar Bhatnagar in 2003, he wrote, he, he attempted to date the era of Lord Ram on the basis of planetary positions described in Valmiki's Ramayan, which is a mythical book. Um, here, here. Uh, the consultant to the movie and scholar is a gentleman called Chandraprakash Devedi, who's also a historian, by the way. But he starts connecting faith and science and myth and oral history. And between uh, this religion and culture culminates an entire lecture of preserving cultural pride in a very ultra-nationalistic tone. So uh, I was, you know, I sat through more than two, two and a half hours of this movie, literally with my head in my, in my hands, because the premise was set up real quick, and then the movie deviates into like crazy subplots of some baddies trying to destroy the bridge, and then a good guy turns up, his name is KP, and then without any notice, he starts helping Aryan and his colleagues, which is, uh, you know, scientist called Sandra Ribello, which uh, is played by Jacqueline Fernandez, and, 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 and a white person who's equally, I mean, I don't know why, what he's doing here, because he's disposed of really quickly, but, he, he, but they put in a white person for credibility as well, because it's a project of credible uh, belief. And then um, the chief baddie just sits around frowning and the main guy just runs around the screen chasing everybody with a gun. And then for some reason, there's a Sri Lanka Jaffna reference and there is the Sri Lankan civil war taken into reference as well. We don't know why and what the angle for all of that was. But the whole core of the movie was to show how a secular, scientifically disposed person turns into a believer of myth and oral history. Um, it's just so bad that I swear to God, I can sit through it as a logical person. Live with Mira and Michael. And we just gave you a little bit of a mythical review of Ramsa 2. Now we're going to go more to, we could maybe say, the faith side of things. We're going to be talking about a movie called Thank God. Now, I'll be 100% honest. Thank, this is a wacky movie. This, this movie was made on planet Mars or something. Or I, I don't know what happened whenever the writers were writing this. Maybe they had a good little weed session and they were just thinking out, out of their mind. But this movie was just out there. So thank, thank God is kind of similar to like some of those movies where, you know, you might think like Bruce Almighty or some of those were like you're faced with the God, right? Like someone dies, they're faced with God, and like something happens, right? Very similar with this movie. So we have, we have this character named Ayan, played by um, actor Siddhartha Mahatra. Is that the pro correct pronunciation, Mira? This pronunciation check, I get the thumbs up. 
And he is a successful realtor who does not care about how his clients are, you know, really making their money or, you know, a lot of his clients are criminals and they're laundering money to, you know, real estate deals, et cetera. But all of a sudden, I mean, you know, Mr. Modi is on the verge of bankruptcy. They decide to demonetize uh, him. And so, you know, he sells his house. He's finding ways to like relocate. And on, a way, on his way to a meeting, he, has a, he gets into a car accident and he dies. Next thing we know, he is pretty much faced with God. Um, they call him CG in this movie. It's played by Ajay uh, Devgan. And, you know, he's faced with God. And he gets kind of this, like, if you guys have seen Squid Game, he gets almost like a Squid Game-like, you know, decision. He has to go through a series of different games because he's being categorized on the verge of life or death. And God, you know, CG or God is essentially going to decide whether he lives or dies, you know, through these series of games. And it's just, it's, it's just this really weird, like, Matrix-like, you know, setup. CG's always walking around in a black suit and shades. Um, the angels are all, you know, dolled up and everything. And, like, the games are just kind of out there. It, it's really, you know, I'm not even going to say dystopian. It's just, like, this this idea of where he's playing these games and you know, it's very very sci-fi built um and you can just kind of tell too that like even the actors don't really know uh you know kind of what's going on with the roles they're playing you know Siddhartha, oh, uh, oh, you, you know michael what the best part about the movie was i know you laughed at it too when we were watching it uh, this is arena which is suspended amongst the clouds and, you know, the three or four tiers to the arena and then people in white with white hair are literally standing over there. And every time he plays a round of the game, Ayan plays a round of the game and, you know, the way he acts or the way they perceive he acts, they have to throw white or black balls into two vessels on either side of Ayan. So if he's been nice, they throw the white balls. And if he's been not nice, they throw the black balls. Talk about in this day and era, colorism. And this is this is like the basis for colorism. Everything bad is black. Everything great is white. And all the angels are 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 literally wearing white as well. So it's kind of you know the optics of it well, was caring in this day and age where we're trying to walk away from colorism. There's, there's pretty 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 much a slap in the face of of any movement to bring color color to take color out of our lives. Well, not only that, you know, like these kinds of movies really try and, you know, pull on this theme or maybe not even a theme, but they really try and like build this narrative where like you have someone who's like not a very good person, right? And once they look at their life and see kind of what they've done, what they've contributed, or even the bad things that they've done, they get a good sense of who they actually are. And then there's this new profound, like, you know, desire to do good in the world or the desire to be, you know, good to the family or you know, maybe value the family, be grateful for that. But we don't really see a lot of that here. It's like, you know, as what you were talking about, it's just kind of saying that like everything that you do is either black or white, right? There is no, you know, it's like it was either good or it was bad. There was no sort of like, um, I would say like conceptualizing or thinking deeply about like, you know, some of the things that you're doing in your life and where you're at now. Um, it also just wasn't a very satisfying ending either. Like, like you know, I, if you're out there, you can probably guess what happened in this movie. Um, and when he, you know, gets out of this game and stuff, it the doesn't... Entire, the entire concept that there is a higher power that has the time to impart moral lessons about lies and deceit to people is a bit really far-fetched, in, in my yeah. opinion. 
but also the interesting moral science lectures that everybody's given to the guy, it's hilarious. It's hilarious that somebody took the time to write a script like this. And they thought it was seriously funny to write a script like this because it wasn't funny. It was, it was downright racist to start with, when, especially when they started segregating everything in black and white. Then it was kind of very more, you know, highly, highly, it was like a preachy movie where they're telling you what's right and what's wrong and how people should behave and how people should not behave. And, and then it gets really preachy in the middle of it, especially when the God is trying to, you know, um, it's it's funny. I would say it was it was it was choppy, right? Because things would try and be funny, and then all the humor would die out. And they would try and get really serious for a second about whatever kind of lesson you know God was trying to throw. And then they would try and throw in this humor. It it didn't really flow in that regard. Yeah, uh, and and you could see the actors didn't believe in it either because Siddharth Malodra, who's supposed to be a fine actor otherwise, and he's damn good looking at that. But you know, throughout the movie. It was as if he was forcing himself to ham into comedy, which just wasn't, you know, yeah. it was just, it was just weird to see I him think... do it. He was uncomfortable in his role, definitely, but, but the entire plot of the plot was missing, seriously. Yeah, I think the whole, I think the whole, you know, kind of premise or like the whole, you know, inspiration behind making a film like this was to just kind of show some like, you know, wacky interpretation of like you know maybe what it is to be faced with god it honestly reminded me a lot of like squid game in a way where you know you have a you have um you know people in poverty that are pretty much playing for their lives to you know come out with a lot of money it seemed very similar in the, in the sense where you have someone who's literally fighting for their life um while also facing all the things that they've done wrong so um there's a lot of things that this movie <laughs> did not do the best on um you know we, we think they kind of missed the entire, you know, goal of the plot. But, you know, take what we say with a grain of salt. If you really want to go watch this, go ahead. We uh, give this, uh, not strongly recommend. But with that, thank God that this review is over. And we just gave a review of thank God. We're going to move on to a movie that just came out on Amazon Prime. Uh, Gali Gulean. M, take it away. Absolutely. Um, okay, so I have to be very honest with you. I was looking forward to this movie because Manoj Bajpai, who plays the protagonist in the movie, he's called Caduce in the movie. Um, he said in an interview that he almost had a mental breakdown playing this character. He literally had to get into the skin of the character to play it and he almost had a mental breakdown and that kind of piqued my interest because Manoj Bajpayee is such a fine actor for him to say that it's difficult for him emotionally to get in the skin of this role meant that it was going to be a good movie um so I had I had when I started watching this movie I had completely upped my ante and I was literally trying to get into the zone of, oh, I've got to watch something very painful, which it is. So in, in this movie, uh, it's directed by the Beish Jin, and it, it, it's been through, it's a winner in a lot of film festivals, and then it released in 2017. Um, it, it was, there's an English name to the movie, and I'm forgetting that English name yet. It finally released, it was, it was acquired by Amazon Prime, it finally released on Amazon this week. And Gali Gulian, which really means in 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 Hindi, uh, it means mazes. Um, it's uh, in this movie. There's a person called Kadus, played by Manoj Bajpayee, and he roams aimlessly. 
in Delhi's labyrinth lanes and alleys. And he's a recluse, but he has a troubled mind. And what he is treated with is suspicion in the neighborhood. And for good reason, because he has this habit of peering into people's homes and he spies on his neighbors by setting up surveillance cameras. He's really crazy to that extent. But this is a commentary really on, on how loneliness is such a huge pandemic. And we don't even realize how big of an issue loneliness is and what it can do to people. But here for Manoj, uh, Manoj's character, Kadus, he has a peeping Tom habit and he it takes a serious turn when he hears a young boy being beaten up by his father. And Kadus is shaken and he searches for the boy all over the, the area in you know dusty, claustrophobic lanes, but he fails to find him. And then in the parallel track of the movie, there is a guy called Idu, Oh, played by Om Singh. He's a pre-teen who screams, um, who screams, and Kudus can hear his screams across the walls as his father hits him. It is an Idu's track that the film's um, shortcomings really need to show because he oscillates between making the film abstract and atmospheric, and then uh, in, in, re in real time about loneliness and basically when this, these parallel tracks are running, you really don't know which track to follow. It doesn't really go well in sync. But the underlying story of Idu's struggle to escape the violence and dysfunction of his house is underlying several kinds of a dialogue. The big reveal in the film is, is, is that, uh, you know, the, the focus on furthering support and mystery, um, it, it really focuses on the strengths of the movie then. Uh, and the strength is the old lens of Delhi, how the mazes of old old Delhi move. This is actually, um, it runs in parallel to Caduce's mind, actually, and how Caduce thinks. Um, and cinematographer, his name is Kai Meandrop, his camera captures every grimy detail, you know, including overhead wires and decrypt buildings. And... It's, it's a wonderful backdrop for Manoj Bajpayee to immerse himself in his character. He's a perfect fit, fit for Caduce. And he brings the character's loneliness and trauma with, with a certain pathos that very few actors can manage. It's just, it probably is Manoj Bajpayee's best work so far. Um, Deepesh Jain does get the atmospherics right to a great extent, but where the movie really loses me as a, as a viewer is this parallel track between Manoj's loneliness and the struggle that Idu is undergoing. So um, some, some of it all, um, it's, it's, it's a watchable movie. It doesn't live up to its hype, definitely for me, but for a lot of reviewers, it was really mind-boggling. Uh, but, uh, you know, where, where I would like to leave it is definitely something that you got to watch for Manoj Bajpayee and probably one of his best roles. Uh, in his career, in his very illustrious career. So we gave you a slew of shows and movies um, to watch, but we're going to give you this last one. This is the classic Indian Predator series on Netflix, uh, season three, or um, the third installment, however you want to view it. This is Indian Predator Murder in a Courtroom, and this is about the, you know, gangster and ultimate, you know, ultimately the death of Aki Gadav um, in, you know, the mid to the early 2000s. So Aki Gadav, he was an Indian gangster as well as like 
a serial rapist and a serial killer. Um, he was known to, you know, have essentially, you know, raped and or murdered around 40 to 50 women, um, specifically in the, in India's central city, uh, Nagpur. Is that the correct pronunciation? Yep. And he, he did his business in the slums you know, of this city, which, um, you know, at this time, rape was something that was very, like, stigmatized. So, you know, a lot of times, if he didn't kill his victim, he would rape them, you know, in order to silence them. And it was so bad at this time, and he was such an influential person in the city that even the police were on his side. So if a victim were to go to the police, he would show up at their house and either demand for money or decide uh, to kill them. And so, you know, ultimately, you know, what, what led to him being captured was um, he went over to a girl's house and the girl had the door locked. And so, so him and his, you know, associates were essentially trying to break in. And she turns on the gas of her home and pretty much says, if you break open this door, I will light the match. And so, you know, Yadav and the associates have to actually smell the gas and they start walking away. Now, people in the street, you know, after they hear about what this girl did, it was kind of empowering to some of the people, you know, not only former victims, but other women in these neighborhoods. And anytime they would see an associate, they would throw stones at them. They would actually try and even, you know, potentially kill them. And this made Yudav like very nervous. He, you know, people were actually starting to come after him. And so for his protection, he turned himself into the police um, or he turned himself in for protection. The police um, then arrested him and took him to jail. So on the day of his court, um, what was happening, you know, in between his court and whenever he was, you know, in police custody, there were a bunch of women that were kind of planning to, you know, show up to this court date, um, you know, with really just, you know, stones, chili powder, um, and even like, even a knife in their hands. The, the, what ended up happening is he comes into the court trial, he sees, you know, former victims in the crowd, and he starts mocking them. And all hell breaks loose. About 50 or so women start storming uh, where he is seated and they are stabbing him. They're throwing chili powder in his eyes. And they don't do this like quickly. For about 15 minutes, they are murdering this guy. Each woman taking a stab at him in the courtroom um, until eventually he ends up dying. So with that kind of, you know, backstory, this is what this new installment of Indian Predator, Murder in a Courtroom is all about. And what I really enjoy about you know, not only the previous installments, but especially this one, is that it it takes the storyline and inserts interviews and in just kind of as the story is going along. And all the interviews are very like integral to like what's happening, you know, during the plot development. Um, you know, it's it's pretty spooky. It's pretty, you know, it, it just it just kind of has a better way to like, I would say, you know, characterize, you know, what was happening at the time. And I know I gave a big, 30, you know, 30,000 feet on that, a little bit about what was going on, but, you know, what do you, what do you think was, I mean, we, we've seen Indian Predator numerous times, we've reviewed the previous installments, but with, you know, that kind of context, you know, what do you think about, like, this Netflix series, you know, really did this, you know, case justice? I think this was the best out of the series so far. Uh, it's unlike the, it's, it's predecessors, both in tone and face, definitely. Um, the narrative is actually pretty gripping and surprisingly chilling as well. Um, the first episode begins with the incident that made headlines forever, passion and rage-filled lynching um, of notorious criminal Akuyadav. 
bang in the middle of a courtroom in broad daylight, carried out by 50 piesty slum women armed to the teeth with chili powder, stones, and kitchen knives. And I remember reviewing a movie earlier that was, um, it was called 300, it was, it was called 100. I'm forgetting the, you know, the movie, but it's streaming on Z5, definitely. Um, by the way, the series is on Netflix, guys, Indian Predator, Murder in the Courtroom, isn't it? And that movie was about the same incident as well, when these women stormed into the courtroom and they stabbed this person to death. But the series straight away trains the spotlight on these, you know, outspoken women, these gutsy old and young women that carried out a stunning killing of a man who almost terrorized them for almost more than a decade. Um, and the women speak up um, and they help the viewer piece together as to why they did what they did and how their lives were, were you know, in, in the hand of this crazy monster, uh, Aku Yadav. They narrate how Aku, um, you know, with petty burglaries, the extortion, and soon graduating to grizzly murders, got away with it. And then the second episode goes a little grimmer, and the women try to detail the sexual assaults, almost four, 40 documented rapes, and numerous undocumented ones as well. And Aku Yadav's youngest rape victim was around 10 years old or something. And she also testifies to the monstrosity of the man. And then finally, the women relate how, when they repeatedly complained to the police and it all went unheeded, they took matters into their own hand and how they planned the lynching meticulously and they saw to a grisly end. Uh, but the standard element of the entire narration is the pride that shines in the face of each woman as she owns up to being a conspirator in the courtroom murder. And the best part of the series is interviewing with real life people who witnessed this entire sordid saga from close quarters. They interviewed friends and acquaintances of Aku Yadav, even his family lawyer and the sister of the woman he murdered brutally, some social activists who stood up for the women, the police, the journalists, and of course the women at the center of the tale. Um, then, one of the infuriating part uh, is when the or uh, when a few of those interviewed all men they they started doubting the sexual assaults. I thought that was really disrespectful and infuriating. Also unnerving was the impunity with which Akuyada was let off from jail every time he was incarcerated for a crime, and that that is what led to the frustration among the women. And it really lays bare open how criminals and cops. Are, and politicians are all intermingled in, 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 in power and money, right? Um, so the director of the uh, series is Umesh Vinay Kulkarni and he shot each story with really amazing sensitivity. We have to give it to them. All incidents, murders, sexual assaults are hinted at and he doesn't actually show them, but, but he creates a really uh, good canvas out of it without really showing it. And um, so he completely stays away from titillation aspect of, you know, such stories where, you know, all this, all this crime can be shown, but he doesn't show it on screen. He just alludes to it. Um, I, I thought the cinematography was excellent. It lends light to the amount of grimness and gravitas to storytelling. It's never on your face. It's never in your face. It's never frivolous or artificial. It's really real. And these are the things that I really loved about the season of Indian Predator. And 
though the narrative in some parts could does get does get repetitive, especially when you're doing so many interviews. But I thought, on the whole, I absolutely, absolutely loved watching this season of Indian Predator because of the delicate delicate manner in which this entire incident was handled. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I I really love Indian Predator. I think they do a good job every time in their installment, but this one definitely. Um, beat the other two by quite a big margin, uh, and you know it's sponsored. It's a it's a Netflix original, so hopefully we'll be seeing more installments and bringing those more um, to you. But with that, that is all we have for you guys today. This was a big lineup. You know, we had uh, four. You know, some really great, some not so great. Uh, you know, series and films to talk about, and we really hope you enjoy. Them. So uh, make sure to give us a like and follow on our Twitter and Instagram, Daisy's Alive Graham on Instagram, Daisy's Alive on Twitter. Make sure to check out and even leave your own review or comment on our website. We always respond uh, to our fans. But until then, uh, this is all for now. Signing off.